This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 8th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Employment and the sense of self-direction that comes with it may still be underappreciated as welfare reform measures are considered. Lisa Conyers is co-author of The Human Cost of Welfare, How the System Hurts the People It's Supposed to Help. She spoke at the Cato Institute in March. The philosophy behind the book is that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But most especially, what we're interested in is the pursuit of happiness. Um, and the idea is that, or what we wanted to look at is, if, we're, if we have the right to pursue happiness, what does that mean? What does it mean to be happy? What does it take for all of us to be happy? And then, once we decide on that, what does the welfare system have to do with that? Will it help us be happier, or will it not help us be happier? Is it helping the people who are on it lead satisfying lives and pursue happiness or not? So that's the question that we wanted to answer with this book. Um, so as far as happiness goes, we aren't the first people to come up with the idea that what we do for a living is really essential to human happiness. What we do to self-actualize, what we do to um, get that earned success that Arthur Brooks talks about. Um, and scholars from Aristotle to you know Socrates and on have all talked about happiness, and they all look at this kind of like what is it? What do we need? And we all know. I mean, if I were to ask you, probably the first question I would ask you is, what do you do? Right? Are you an artist? Are you a teacher? Are you a writer? Are you a policy analyst? Are you you know? And that's how we identify with our who we are and what we are doing with our lives. And so if we agree that we have the right to pursue happiness, and if we agree that happiness is tied up with what we do for a living and how we earn our way, then what does a welfare system look like under those parameters? Is it, does it help people be happy or does it not? And so that was basically the underlying philosophy behind this book. Um, so yes, there's a lot of policy analysis in there. There's plenty of charts for policy wonks and all that kind of stuff. But it's also a deeply philosophical thought and idea that we wanted to address. So what we found out when we started looking at welfare programs is that they actually put people in a position where work is a threat rather than a reward. It's risky to go to work. You'll lose benefits if you go to work. And the rules are really strict and very hard to deal with. So when you hear about, for example, um, you know, a lot of people are on welfare are working. You know, what about the working poor? They're working, right? But the problem is that they're being told that they can work, you know, a few hours a week or a month, they can earn so much. But if they go over that, you're off the rolls. And I met a lot of people that had tripped up over those rules. Um, you know, a gift from an aunt or uh, somebody dying in the family and leaving them money um, that suddenly threw them out of all these programs and left them in a position where they were had to get back on. It took several months. And so the whole psychology about work changes when you're on these programs. All of a sudden, the value of the programs becomes greater than a job that you could get. Um, so for example, Phil talked a little bit about the welfare cliff. and. The director of health and human services in the state of Pennsylvania looked at this. He decided to actually do an example of a woman that would be in this position and what it would look like. And um, so he took a mother with two children, a single mom with two kids, living in the suburbs. She'd be getting cash assistance. She'd be getting food stamps. She'd be getting WIC, which is additional food for her and her infant. She'd be getting housing. She'd be getting. She'd be on Medicaid. And doing the math, adding up the value of all those benefits, he found that you'd have to earn close to $59,000 a year to replace those benefits. So if somebody wants to go to work, 
and they're offered a job and it's not and it's not going to cover the value of those benefits all of a sudden they make a very rational decision based on the incentives to not work and um, and that's scary because maybe in the short term we think well that's okay you know we're helping them out we're giving them you know they're getting support so that's good right because we don't want the poor to not get support but we're actually telling them not to go to work um, we also do this in the uh, disability system if any of you who are familiar with anybody on disability you know that you're uh, told not to go to work if you get on disability because you have a good chance of losing your benefits. Um, and so we take people that are disabled but would like to work and make work into a risk. So that's basically the underlying philosophy behind this book, that we believe that we do all have the right to pursue happiness and that happiness requires work and earn success and that welfare systems get in the way of that. So um, in a nutshell, if you got that, you got the whole premise of the book. <laughs> Uh, briefly, I'm going to just tell you that as far as my role in the book, Phil and I um, did a lot of policy analysis together, but we wanted to do a book that was a little bit different than most of the work that comes out of DC, um, which is very heavy on policy analysis, but is maybe missing that, you know, what's it like, how do these policies actually play out in real life for the real people who are affected? So I traveled all over the country, um, the Northeast, the South, the Southwest, the, you know, the Pacific Northwest, California, Hawaii. I went all over the place. And I went into soup kitchens and homeless shelters and tent cities and um, bus stops, wherever I could find people that would be willing to talk to me. And I just asked them if they would be willing to talk to somebody who was writing about welfare, about what their life was like. And surprisingly, people were perfectly happy to talk to me and show me their math and what they were doing and what they were living on and how many dollars they got every month. And um, so then we took all those stories and we added them to our policy analysis. So the book is not just a dry sort of, you know, food stamps cost us this much and, and this is how it works out. And it then goes on with stories from the road. Lisa Conyers is co-author of The Human Cost of Welfare, How the System Hurts the People It's Supposed to Help. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.